Well, greetings art lovers. Once again, I take it you're still sequestered after uh, several weeks of being sequestered to begin with. Uh, we hope you're all safe and well and enjoying uh, whatever you're doing at home. We're going to be talking about some of the things that we've been doing uh, during this uh, shutdown. Uh, if you listen to our last podcast, which we called Safe Haven, um, this is sort of following on from that because we realised after we'd finished that there were still other things that we could have talked about. Um, <coughs> so join us this week for Sequestered, part two. Uh, and we're going to be talking uh, with David and Connie, as always. Um, We've had our coffee, our morning coffee, although I've only had one cup, so I'm not really raring to go. But I know Connie, who's probably on her eighth cup uh, for this morning, is uh, is always able to uh, contribute something really good and very thought-provoking. So we'll go to her in a minute. Um, I just wanted to start off with a theme that I mentioned last time, which was... I hate watching the TV and all the information. It's it's just too much for me to take in. It makes me anxious, uh, and it it doesn't help to to give me this information. So I really like to just look around. I'm fortunate to live in a home. It used to belong to David's mum and dad, and so we have artwork all over the house in every room on every wall. Um, and it's nice to move the paintings around because you suddenly see them differently when they be, when they're in a different position. Um, and I feel that it's it's really helpful to me because I find it more uplifting to look at something that somebody has created, um, you know, several moments in time because they probably stood there for four or five hours to paint something, and you get the feeling that you're sort of with the artist. Um, I also just got some. Um, belongings from England after my my mum passed away last year uh, and so some of the things that arrived were paintings uh, and embroideries that my mum and dad did and so when I look at art it's not just the painting I don't find it easy to dissect something right away and analyze why a painting is good I know I probably should do but I, I like to get the overall feel of it first and so among uh, the things that arrived was a watercolour of my mum's uh, that she did of uh, Richmond Castle because Richmond was where my grandfather came from. And so she painted this scene from the river looking up the bank to the castle. And although some people might feel, well, it's, it's not an, uh, a great painting, to me it has so much in it because... Uh, it was filled with love and memories. Uh, and my mum was a, a good amateur painter. She always felt she wasn't a great painter because uh, she liked to be able to copy things, uh, but she couldn't do them out of her own um, her own volition, looking at a scene and then painting it. She, she had trouble with that. So she always put her abilities down because she didn't think that um, she was very good at this. But to me, having this artwork on the wall and around me, uh, together with David and his family's uh, artwork and some of the pieces his parents collected. This, to me, is helping me through this sequestration period. So, um, Connie, let me ask you, how do you go about... I know that you're painting, uh, that you have a studio you can go to. Do you... But when you're at home, you have artwork on the walls from your grandmother as well. Right. Uh, I remember seeing uh, 
Ira Jem Merriman. I, was right. that, I thought that was the greatest <laughs> name. And she was a she was a very good painter, and she, she inspired good. you as a youngster to work. She was good, to and work. She, yeah, she definitely inspired me. Okay, so when you have... Uh, what makes you choose a painting that you want to put on the wall at, at home? Is, oh, I, I'm, boy. You know, what, well, what do you see? Well, it's interesting because uh, we change our, our artwork all the time. Um, my, uh, I think my husband's somewhat flabbergasted because sometimes he'll see a, a frame on the wall with no painting on it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. He'll go, what happened to that one? <laughs> and it'll either be in my studio, I'm reworking it, or it got sold. And he's also gotten to the point where he'll say, he'll say, Oh my God! I thought you said that you gave me that painting, and I go, no. Oh, we need money for the fire, well, firewood. I know that feeling. I I had uh, there was a painting that David did for me of the archway at uh, Bolton Priory, uh, and it was a beautiful piece, and he inscribed it to me. And then somebody came in, and he wanted a pair of small paintings. Uh, as a gift for his daughters and so they were looking around he picked one out and then he saw uh, this one of Bolton Prior and he said David how how about this one well I inscribed that to Judy well she won't mind will she <laughs> so there they were they, they took my inscription off and <laughs> goodbye but painting did, yeah but, goodbye painting yeah but that's the trouble with with living with an artist because the the paintings Come and go. And I think they do. Sometimes, well, sometimes the good have to make way for the better. You, you can't, you can't hang. If I held on to every painting of yeah. David's that I liked, you know, we'd, we'd have starved to death long ago. Yeah, exactly. So, but it, that's a big help when they rescue those paintings from the well, I was <laughs> from the say. surgeon's scalpel because <laughs> some surgeries don't always. So, um, Come so out well. Yeah, no, I and I and I remember visiting Don Stone. I think you had to interview oh, Judy. Yeah. Don Stone, and we were in his studio, and, uh, you know, most, most of my friends, Connie's one of the only friends I have that talk shop, mm -hmm. will talk about yeah. painting, the, the, you know, mm -hmm. and it's not easy. Most of my friends want to talk about, you know, sports or something like that. So, Civil War. <laughs> so there was Don Stone, and you, you were pulling it right out of him, and, and he had a beautiful studio, and all his paintings were framed on the walls, and, and, and so when asked the question, uh, what, what is painting... He said, it's a puzzle to be solved. And I thought, well, that's a great definition. Nice. And it, he, as an example, he went over and lifted the frame up, and the painting wasn't attached in the frame. It was just resting in the frame on the wall. He'd just pull it out, bring it over to his easel. He says, I see what's wrong with this, and he'd start working on it a little bit. So mm -hmm. I think all us painters are in that camp of... I think so, too. We, we think we can make it better, Yeah. you know. And maybe it's a good idea to take our spouse's recommendations. Yes. Why don't you do a yes. new one? Put yeah. the brush down and step away. Start, yes. yeah, there was the other memorable occasion when I came back from grocery shopping. Uh, it was on a Monday. David was on his day off from the Guild of Boston Artists. This is when we were first married. And I came in, and blow me, he'd got his palette out, and he was working on a painting that was signed, framed, had been exhibited. <laughs> And I just saw this. I just wanted to alter this bit. And he's working on it in the frame. <laughs> it's like, I always thought that artists did a painting and that was it. They concentrated on one painting. When that was finished, they'd put that one away and start a new painting. I didn't realise that 
you'd have so many on the go. Some, I mean, David, I know, uh, was doing a winter piece, couldn't finish it that mm-hmm. winter season, and therefore put it away for the next 12 months till he could go out again and, and work on it. Another so winter, yeah. as, as outdoor painters, you must find it difficult to... Well, um, not even outdoor painters. George Innes' uh, son, in the great book that his son wrote about his father, mm-hmm. George Innes was uh, in the studio working, big barn, and his son Georgie comes in, little Georgie Jr. Um, was hanging around, and his father said, Georgie, why don't you go out and play? It's a nice day out there. Well, it was the middle of winter, and uh, it was cold, <laughs> but Georgie went out to play. And uh, he noticed that his dad was working on a, a winter painting, you know, up on the up on the canvas, and he left, and he came back three hours later, walked in the studio, his father was cleaning up, and, uh, and uh, he says, he looks around to see where the painting is, and he realizes it's gone. The winter scene is left, this, mm-hmm. so he couldn't figure out why, and then he realized his father had the habit of reworking a painting, and not just touching it up. <laughs> But repainting a whole painting, like somebody else I know does, right? <laughs> Changes no it names. entirely. And he, he, so he went around looking for the wettest painting he could find, the one that glistened mm-hmm. most. And it was an autumn scene. It was, it was oh totally different than the winter scene. And uh, that was George Innes to a T in the studio. If he just couldn't make head and a tail out of what was going on in front of him, he just changed it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was always inspired by nature, but... Nine times out of ten, he's using his imagination. Mm-hmm. And a brilliant, maybe America's finest landscape painter. I, I don't know. That's be, yeah. uh, Personal. Yeah. But, um, and and would, that brings up yeah. the point of, of us reading yeah, during this, say, these yeah, tough that, times. That was a great biography. And great, uh, yeah. great art books. Now's the time to do it. There's no other time that you're going to... It's springtime. You all want to go out and plant the flowers in the garden. But we, we're, we're sort of trying to be good with everybody and, and hold our own and if everybody does it we'll all be in better shape um, but what's the matter with picking up a good art book and being inspired yeah absolutely I mean, um, Judy's written eight nine books on mm-hmm. the history of uh, art I've, on KPN I've lost count I mean what can I say <laughs> Articles, art, everything. There's a great art, two great articles in the American Art oh. Review that mm-hmm. Judy's written yes. this month. Uh, they're they're uh, worth new. reading, even though the um, the exhibitions aren't going to go ahead because we're shut down. Yeah. But they will go ahead um, later. The Guild exhibition will be on next year, the same time of, of the year. And the um, Rockport auction, I believe, is going to be rescheduled. Like so in hang fall. on to your yes, I think mm-hmm. I think so. The collectors, uh, but items. I wouldn't swear to it. Yes, so hang on to your art reviews because they will be valid. Uh, sometime in the future, these articles will represent what's going to be saying. Hopefully, <laughs> and, and I think that's you know that's rather than sitting and panicking uh, about what's going on. Uh, and don't turn on the TV set. I mean, you can make a better... Your imagination is filled much more with greater things than the TV will offer you. Um, I know neither one of you girls watch television at all very much. I probably watch no. twice as much as you do in <laughs> in a year's time, you know. Uh, <laughs> in but, a day's time. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, there's nothing on there that's uplifting. So why not, not pick moment. up a good art book? Yeah. Mm. Judy's written several... On great artists, Aldro Hibbard, Paul Strisick, Anthony, uh, Anthony Teamy. Great right. books to yes, pick right. up and read. I did the read. Tiny Teamy book. And, <laughs> and, and that just also goes with the echoing of the 
sort of what we were talking about a little bit yesterday with the idea of um, pulling it out of the, the mist and pulling it out of the fog. Mm-hmm. And painters came to uh, Cape Ann, I believe, because it was there were natural compositions here. You know, the, right, the, I agree. The, and the also harbor. the color notes, I felt like the sky has that mist of a sort of rose doré, <laughs> you know? It's a little bit like... Rose doré, I'll have to remember it, that. <laughs> but, but it has that wonderful uh, rose quality that's in the ether, sort yes. of. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that about Cape Ann, yeah. you know? And it's special, and it's really unique to Cape Ann. Yeah. 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 And it's interesting because when the painters did come here, it seemed like their their color key was always uplifting. Mm. Uh, Metcalf was painting, I think, out in the Southwest uh, and doing some things after he returned from France and his influence with uh, Gavernet and uh, Monet influenced him. And he came here, but it wasn't until he arrived in Gloucester that his color palette just went soaring into a higher pitch. Uh, I know he hung around with... um, Child Hassam, which probably helped a little bit oh, too. Child Hassam did take credit for teaching Metcalf. Oh, really? He did. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. technique. Yeah, but but it was just really? it, it was right. <laughs> yes, it was he. It was here in Gloucester. Yeah. You know, it was that. It was the essence of the light, as Connie said, that rosy light that's here. Um, yeah. And in those days, I mean, they didn't need rose-colored sunglasses because <laughs> they were they were visualizing it. But yeah. um, so we we as painters gain the inspiration from the past from these other painters. I, I think there's a lot to be taken from um, from painters who've. You can see, obviously, because these works of art are still valuable today. Yes. Um, and you like to think that when you're when you're painting, that somebody 100, 150 years from now are going to appreciate your works as well. Perhaps. Uh, yeah, and that yeah. they will have that yeah. um, that longevity. Is it? Um, I I don't know. I think we're. I I feel very fortunate to live in an area like this because. Yeah. Uh, there is so much history. I mean, I didn't know anything about art history until I got married and came over here. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked I liked to look at paintings, but I really didn't understand. I mean, Roger tried to <laughs> tried to teach me as much as he could, but it took me about five years to to really understand what a value was um, <laughs> and what it meant and, and how to apply it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it made perfect sense. Uh, when he would tell me this and he would demonstrate on my, my canvas board at the workshop and then as soon as he walked off it was like yeah but how do I apply it? <laughs> it's all very well him applying it but I, and it, it just took a long time but once I got it I, I understood it. I mean I'm I can't paint, but I'm really good at the theory. Well, no, you can paint. Uh, We had a a family uh, call, FaceTime call on Sunday, and Judy's family in England and our family here. It was really nice. That that really is a wonderful (laughs) thing, too, just to talk to family. And we all came away. We all said it was a great time, so we're hoping to do it again. But um, one of um, our uh, um, nephews is... um, Adam had won this this painting that they thought was my dad's. And when I looked at it, I said, no, no, that, that feels like, gee, it's not my dad's. It looks more like uh, it's English. And then the truth came out that it was one of Jody's paintings that she had done in his art class. It was really very nice. I, I wanted to instantly call Adam up and make a deal with him. Yeah. <laughs> And get that painting back. But, you know, speaking of reading, Connie, you've been doing a lot of reading. Yeah, I have. Mm-hmm. 
about I uh, well, I, uh, a variety art? of th- oh, absolutely about art. Uh, one of the more intriguing uh, books that I have is called The Age of Insight, and it was by this guy named Eric Kandel, and he's a medical doctor, a neuroscientist, who was also born and raised in um, in Austria. In Vienna. And then he moved to New York City when he was like maybe 18 or something like that. Anyway, he, um, and then he became a professor at Columbia University. But this guy, um, along with, um, there was Gombrich was one guy and Ernst, um, this this guy named Chris, Ernst Chris. Um, they, both of them had brought together um psychology and art, like looking at the psychological implications of our artwork, whether it be landscape painting, interiors, what it is, but it was, um, it was kind of fascinating. So anyway, Eric Kandel's book on Age of Insight is about, and I believe that, I just want to say that I think we too can create sort of salons, let's say, art salons. And what happened in Vienna in 1900 were there were these huge art salons that in which they had Gustav Klimt, Egon Schill, um, uh, Kokoschka was there, Freud, um, um, Moll, Moll, Karl Moll. But all these people came together, so it was a cross-pollinization, as I would say. Of, can you of say that? De- yeah, can you say it three times real fast? <laughs> You're talking about they actually met together. And yes. Ah. There was this woman um, that um, Klimt painted her. Judith uh, is one of the paintings. Um, there, um, But this woman was a real socialite. I can't remember her name right off bat. Like a picture of painting. But, yes. Yeah. But what happened is that she was fascinated with and was was in touch with all these people. So she had Freud in there. Um, this guy, Rodjensky, he was actually Freud's, um, he was the head uh, of the, like, medical director in Vienna. But anyway, all these people started talking together. And what happened is that the artist became involved and interested in the psychological underpinnings of their paintings mm-hmm. and how could they display certain things. Now, according to Freud, Freud was coming in with a lot of what he considered were uh, sexual um Implications. The instinct, sex instinct, was involved in some of his work around psychopathology. Mm-hmm. But the artists took this as that they could uh, just, you know, put what maybe they were thinking about in terms of body language, um, certain kinds of things, and it made it very provocative. Some of their artwork was quite provocative. Mm-hmm. Also in, I would say, in Klimt's work, which you saw all those little designs and everything, they said that those designs are really um, cell biology. So what he was doing was, was he was trying to uh, indicate what a cell looked like, what a neuron looked like, and that is also in... And he stylized them and created these flat, two-dimensional uh, kind of designs 
as the robes of these people's, um, you know, um, their robes yeah. in their in their portraits. Yeah. So I yeah. thought that was fascinating. Yeah, I think that's but now, Judy, I want to ask you <laughs> about what these these things that you were going to talk about at the Cape Ann Museum, at some of oh. these other places, um, and and this too is about art history and how we. Um, sort of the cross-pollinization of things. <laughs> yeah, I think you can learn a lot from art history. I mean, I'm interested in the the people who created the art as well as the artworks that they create. Um, so the uh, the Cape Ann Museum was um, a, a gallery talk on the exhibition um, A Father and Son's Journey in Paint featuring... Tom Nicholas and a and T M Nicholas, uh -huh. uh, and I thought that was it's a it's a great show. Uh, it's a pity that um, it's probably got to come down by the time this sequestration is all over. Oh, um, but one of the things that struck me in particular about uh, that exhibition, and maybe uh, some of our listeners here will have, have been down to the Cape Ann Museum to see it before we uh, we got stuck here. Um, how many of those uh, canvases that they did were square because I think a square canvas is very difficult to design and yet both um, Tom Senior and his and, and TM love to do these square really? canvases and I find it interesting how, because it then becomes more about the design than just the picture um, and of course they both have such a different technique uh, Tom Senior uh, painted a lot out of doors. He was a, a good teacher for many years, uh, and then he, you know, he also liked to observe things. He'd do numerous sketches, and then he would go back into the studio and work those sketches, and then th through his imagination, put these different elements together, and and he has a very refined finish, quite different to TM, who's out on location and. Um, doing um, what would you say? So in, I, in plain air, yeah, well, in pasto yeah. surface, or, or yeah, in one go. yeah, yeah um, really, you know, finely detailed paintings when he's uh, he's finished them, just fabulous. I mean, he has two Venice pieces in this show that are spectacular. I mean, you have to see them right in front of you. He also did one, my favorite. Oh, one of my favourites was the one of the sea turtles that he did. I just thought that was amazing. It was a beautiful painting. I haven't seen it live. Uh, and, yeah, it's, it's like a lot of things. You look at, and this is why you look at that. art history books and you see these paintings, but they're just images and you can get yeah. so many different colour versions. You can have five books with the same photo, you know, the same image, and, of course, the colour looks different in all of them. Uh, so you just have to take your best shot at, guessing what the, the true colour of the painting is. Well, or go to the exhibit. Or go to the exhibit, see the, uh, yeah, see, which is even right better. Front, which yeah. is always better. It always, always means better. more. Yeah. Uh, I remember looking at Dennis Bunker's for years in images, mm. and then there was a show at the MFA, and when I went in, it, my mouth just opened. It uh, just dropped. My jaw <laughs> was looking at these paintings. Wow, and they were because it was they came to life in yeah. front of me. Yeah. Whereas an image is nice; it's very nice in a book. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and I know you can't go to museums now. But um, the inspiration that we gather from books, 
um, as Connie was talking about the Vienna Secession, um, and I think his his Kendall's book was more about the general psychology of the time, and yeah. to, in order to create all, why all this creativity all at once through architecture, uh, the Art Nouveau sort of thing hit Vienna, you might say, um, and that was all very much. Uh, but I think he was also trying to make the connection between. What we paint has a psychological implication. And it's true for all of them. So they're not just strictly designs, but there's a, a certain kind of um, psychology to our paintings. And they're not always seen that way. And certainly we're not, you know, when we're out plein air painting, we're not sitting there saying, oh, you must be very aggravated, or, <laughs> or you look uh, very happy today well, it's very <laughs> because funny of your palate. Your palate is upbeat. <laughs> it's very funny you say that because I'll, I find, and I've never found anybody who was out there who, who was agitated and who set up to paint, yeah. um, that their agitation didn't last very long. Yes, it was. I have um, to agree. And he, and I've gone out sick before painting, um, you know, not feeling well, headache or something like that. And by the end of the session, I forgot all about it. Yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. So painting See, has this sort of, of painting, almost yeah. self hypnotic yeah. effect when you're out painting, or even when you're in the studio. I think it's even emphasized more in the studio. Uh, thinking about the necklaces. Um, Tom Sr., Tom, his dad, I thought was much more of a conceptual painter. He mm -hmm. took what he observed from nature and then applied it into the studio with his imagination and, and made a per, more personal statement, maybe because it was a concept. Yes. And, and Tommy, TM, was outdoors painting what he saw, plain air, mm -hmm. uh, what the eye perceives, mm -hmm. or maybe a more perceptual painter. Mm -hmm. And I think that that show, in my opinion now, this mm -hmm. is, you know, some art critic could come along and throw mm -hmm. this out the window, but I saw a big difference between them. But I also saw Tommy needed a little concept in his work and his dad needed a little percept in his work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think we're all borrowing from yeah. these, these I don't big think concepts. You, I don't think you have to be stuck in a particular pigeonhole and you can't, as you say, right. the cross pollinization is very important. You need to you need to take something from over here and a bit Little from bees. over there. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, and uh, because who was it? Uh, Aldro Hibbard. One of his quotes was the there is no receipt for uh, being able to paint. And I always thought, what the heck's he talking about receipt? And I and I then I misread it once as recipe. And I thought, well, maybe it's there's there's no particular formula. Is perhaps what he was trying to say that you had to, you had to know what to do uh, or how to do it, and then you could go out and apply it and change it to your own, your own uh, vision. I think this is why the psychology in art really applies because of that. Our day to day experience leads us in different directions, mm -hmm. and then when we start painting, I think we bring that that percept into being with and then our own concepts apply with the percept overlay and it's always it's like going to see a movie every day that's totally different than the last movie you saw yeah and i, I think it, i think that the experience of doing 
is the and it doesn't make it recipes won't make you help you anymore no right. to you know to learn from another painter because the you like the way they paint well that might work but it's really about you discovering your own ways that you want to express in your paintings yeah. and i think that's what makes it that's what makes it fun yeah uh, mm -hmm. to to paint is because you do go on and these experiences it also makes it therapeutic mm -hmm. because there's uh, there's a certain, as we were t saying just a few minutes ago, mm -hmm. certain comfort mm -hmm. in we'll set up, you know, outside or wherever we are, and you get engrossed. You get in involved in what you're doing in the moment, and you forget about these other extraneous, <laughs> uh, you know, events that yeah. are happening yeah. that that are not, I mean, they may be troubling, but mm -hmm. you want some relief. We need relief. Yes. We can get it through meditation. But we can also get it through painting. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you know, it is a form of meditation. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. and it, yeah, and I think it is. It's it's soothing. Yeah, I think um, it really is too. And heaven knows, we all need a bit of soothing at the moment. Oh, I I think it's very, as Connie said, meditative mm -hmm. uh, painting. Um, you know, I can remember um, a person uh, painting and asking me what I'm thinking about while I'm painting. <laughs> well, I'm not really thinking of anything in, 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 the, in that big general sense. In other words, I'm not worried about the phone bill or the property bill or this bill. About what's for supper. I'm not thinking about what's for supper. I'm not thinking about anything, <laughs> you know. And so he says, well, what are you thinking about? And I said, I just want to do a good job. Mm -hmm. You know, if I can do it, you know, just like if you do anything, you want to do a good job, right? Even if it's cleaning the house, it's, you know, bright in the corner, you know, you, you want to, you, you want to do a good job. But it's it. also about being in that moment. Yes. Because I think the challenge when we paint is to be in that perceptual moment, you know, of seeing something and trying to render that on mm -hmm. your canvas. And uh, that takes a lot of uh, a lot of chutzpah or a lot of of brain power, let's yes. say, yes. you know, yeah. yes. to do something like that. And and in turn, I think it makes us more calm, you know, because we're putting our, our efforts not into worrying, but into yeah. something that's productive. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. talk a little bit about yesterday we did a podcast. The first mm. part of this podcast, we felt it deserved more because we've, during these these. Uh, these uh, unusual times that we're dealing with, uh, something new has happened, and it's collective. It's not just yeah. uh, about a pr one individual or a loved one or something like that. This is all of us, and we're all part of this. And if we all pitch in and do the right thing, we'll, we'll come. We'll come out the better. Uh, but yesterday we we went into the studio and mm -hmm. painted. And um, and I think we came away. We're we're laughing at supper time. We had exactly. a good we had a good experience, a very positive experience. And and it was it was very similar to painting out of doors in a landscape. We were doing an interior, but the light came through the window at a certain a filtered window at a certain time and created these effects uh, on the floor that were changing in front of us. So we had to make our decision as to where we wanted the lighting effect and where we didn't want it, that sort of thing. And it was a, it was a, it was was a it posed a challenge, mm -hmm. but um, uh, so again, like yesterday, the challenges out there uh, for all of you artists. Um, I know if you're landscape painters, you're looking out the window saying, "Well, I think I can go out," and I think they allow you to go out as long as you keep your social distance. Um, uh, but 
you know, if you're in the studio, try to paint something in your own home. It's 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 right. very rewarding. You've been doing this, Connie. Yeah. Um, yeah. You did two nice interiors around the turn of the uh, new year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> turn of the century, we <laughs> say well, then. No, I didn't say turn of the century. <laughs> um, but I think in books... You can you can find a lot of not just looking at the pictures. By the way, my teacher Ives Gamble refused us. We weren't supposed to look at color imaging, for the very reason that Judy pointed out that if you saw Winslow Home was breezing up in this art book, it looked reddish. If you saw it in this art book, it looks bluish. Yeah. It, if you saw it in this art book, it looked grayish. You know. So which was the true color? And not until you got in front of the painting after all the restoration processes, <laughs> that you saw the painting for where it was. So my teacher would forbid us to look at images in color. Yeah, um, do you want to Well, it on? was, um, all of us students wanted to see these beautiful new color images of, you know, what uh, Paxton, what Child Hassan was doing. We wanted to see Jerome's original work in color. And all these color books were coming out. But our teacher forbid us to see this, you know. So it was, um, it was interesting, and I think I did learn a big lesson then, you know, that sometimes we can't believe in the images that we see. And uh, I know most, uh, a lot of portrait artists will go by a black and white image and then just take color, if they have to do a color portrait, a portrait from, um, from a photograph, uh, they'll take color notes um, onto a card or a piece of canvas board or something like that mm -hmm. from the from the sitter and then have an image of it. But we have found Connie and I doing these interiors that the, um, the it's so distorted. Photographs are so distorted that to use a photograph to paint from is I really think it's it sets you off on a whole. Uh, it's a worthless journey because the color isn't true. I agree. And then the shapes are distorted. You know, the perspective is distorted and it doesn't see accurately. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of, a lot of those messages that my teacher uh, gave us in those days about looking at black mm -hmm. and white versus color um, is, is it was very true. But of course, you know, if we were students. We wanted to see what we weren't seeing. You know? But everybody else was allowed to look at, but we weren't, you know. Okay, well, I hate to cut you off there in your prime just as you're getting going, but uh, it, it's time for us to, uh, to get ourselves organised. I know uh, David and Connie are anxious to get painting and meditative straight away. So we thank you for listening. We hope uh, you'll join us next time for another Sight and Insight podcast. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, stay art-related. Thank you and goodbye.